Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. Well, last week I, I talked to you about Zechariah and, uh, and Elizabeth and the visitation, the angelic visitation that they received to announce the birth of John the Baptist. And this morning, I want to talk to you about another angelic visitation, the one where Gabriel comes and visits Mary, the mother of Jesus, and tells her that she is going to birth the Son of God, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. And so let's go ahead and just read that, or read that this morning out of Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says, During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. I, love, I don't know why, I just love the idea that, that John the Baptist came from the line of the priest or the priestly line of Aaron, and Jesus comes from the kingly line of David. I, I don't, I've looked in, I've I know there's some significance to that. I don't know what it is. Maybe some of you do. But I just love that thought that God is in the details of everything. That John came from Aaron and Jesus came from the line of David. So, so it says that, that, that Joseph, a true descendant of the king of David, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you. And so you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled, troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her saying, do not yield to your fear. Do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest and the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever and his reign will have no limits. Mary said, but how could this happen? For I am still a virgin. Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you and the almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your aged aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power. Let me read that one one more time. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary responded saying, this is amazing. I will be the mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has he has for me. Mary, ev or I'm sorry, may everything you have told me come to pass. And then the angel left her. This morning, I want to settle the question that has plagued our generation for years and years. Mary did know. The song, you know? <laughs> Mary, did you know? Yes. The angel literally told her everything, okay? Yes, Mary absolutely knew. So this, this, every time I hear that song, which is a beautiful song, absolutely beautiful song, but I want to end the song with, yes, 
you know. She knew. The angel told her literally everything that she was to conceive the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that she was going to be the mother of the Son of God. I love, in verse 29, it says that Mary, that she's receiving this information. And it says that, that as the angel approached her and as the angel appeared to her, it says that she was bewildered over what the angel had said, which tells me, which I think it's interesting, that Zechariah, when it talks about Zechariah, when the angel, when Gabriel visited Zechariah, it said that he was in fear because of the angel visiting him. But Mary, it says she was bewildered over what the angel had to say, which I don't know if this is true, but it seems to me, it makes me wonder, is this the first time Mary has encountered angels? Is this the first time Mary has experienced a visitation like this? Zechariah was afraid because of the angel. Mary kind of overlooks the fact that Abram is standing right in front of her and instead is bewildered over what the angel has to say, which makes me wonder how many times has, has Mary, the mother of Jesus, been in such a presence that she has seen angels like this. I just think it's interesting. But it says that she was deeply troubled because she was engaged, or she was deeply troubled because of what the angel had to say. So, so uh, why would Mary have been troubled? Why would Mary have been worried about what the angel had to say? Let me give you a little context of what, what the culture was like in that day. So it says that Mary was engaged to Joseph. Now, the engagement process back in those times was extremely important. In fact, really, the marriage began not at the wedding ceremony, but actually began at the engagement. So when a person was engaged in those times, there was actually a prenuptial contract that was signed that gave the husband, the bridegroom, the rights over the bride during the engagement. So, the, so now, nowadays when we get married, uh, there's, a, there's a contract signed at the ceremony. Back then, the contract was actually signed at the engagement. So there was the engagement, then there was a period of time where the husband would then prepare for the bride. During that time, the bride would live with their parents, but she was already legally the, the, the husband. She was already legally the bridegroom's. And so, so, so legally, they were, already, they were already married. And so, so really what was happening is, is she was bewildered over what the angel had said to her because she was already engaged to be married to Joseph and now she was pregnant while still being a virgin. And so she had to go to Joseph now and tell her, listen, I'm pregnant, but I am still a virgin. Now, moms and dads in the room, would you believe your daughter? <laughs> right, right. Hey, Paul, if, if Amber and I came to you when we were engaged to be married and said, hey, Amber's pregnant, but it's from the Lord, would you have believed us? Probably not, yeah. Probably not. I probably would not have been standing here in front of you today, right? <laughs> probably not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. In those days, it was a huge deal. 
So she's, she's engaged to be married. Now she's being told that she is going to be pregnant. And she has to go and tell her fiance, listen, the Holy Spirit, I, I, I'm still a virgin. This is from the Lord. In those days, if you were to commit adultery during that engagement process, it wasn't just that you'd be put away. The penalty was being stoned to death. So when the angel comes and tells Mary, listen, you're going to be pregnant. She is worried and bewildered, it says, because she is then wondering what is going to happen to me. Don't take lightly this situation. This is a huge deal, what's happening right now to Mary. Let me give you, there's, there's huge consequences of this. So number one, she could lose her fiance, which wasn't just the man she was in love with, but in that culture, it was her livelihood. There was no independent women in the Jewish culture of Jesus's day. It wasn't like Mary could just be a single mom and go out and get a job and hire a babysitter while she was working. Her bread came from her husband, period. So this wasn't just her losing her fiance. This was her losing the meals that she had every day. This was her losing the person that would provide for her her entire life. She would be looked at and treated as a harlot. In that culture, this was one of the highest disgraces was to commit adultery. And she would have been looked at in that culture, in, the, in the, the region that she was in, she would be looked at as a harlot and she would be treated as such. The baby that she would bore would be treated with disgrace because of the way in which he would have been conceived in the world's eyes. And once again, ultimately, it could mean that she would be stoned to death. This wasn't a little announcement that Gabriel was bringing to her. This wasn't something with mild consequences. This was, could be the end of her very existence. But I love Mary's response in verse 38. It says, as his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. Her response was, Whatever you have for me, Lord, whatever you have, may it come to pass. I love that statement from Mary. It's, it's such a faith statement because the angel, if you notice, the angel never told her, hey, don't worry, I'm going to Joseph's house next to let him know that everything's all right. She had no idea that Joseph was going to take her back or was going to go ahead and marry her and help her raise Jesus. She had no idea that that was going to happen. And even, even in, within that, there was still, once again, this, this, uh, this, this uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This, this uh, reputation that she was going to have to carry with her her entire life because of it. But I love her response once again. Her response was, in spite of all of that, I'm your servant. Whatever the Lord wants to do, go ahead and do it through me. I am your willing servant. May it be so. May it be so. She said yes, regardless. This teenage girl with everything to lose, but everything to gain. 
said yes. In our culture, we want everything with as little inconvenience as possible, don't we? We want all of the benefits with the least amount of inconvenience. Let me give you an example. Cameron and Holly and I were out shopping. Uh, well, it was more than just us. Paul and Pam were there, and James and Dee, we all went out shopping on Black Friday, and we were at Lowe's, and we see these plugins that Lowe's is selling where you can plug them into your wall and then plug whatever you want into them, and you can control the device smart with, with your smartphone to turn things on and off. So we got like super pumped about it, right? Like super pumped. So we bought, we bought them and we took them home and I plugged my tree in. So now I don't have to bend over <laughs> and plug the tree in in the morning. And at night, I don't have to bend over and unplug it. I can literally turn it on and off by just pushing the button on my phone. Right. And not even that, like I can turn it on and off from anywhere in the world because it works off of Wi-Fi. So I can be in China and turn my tree on and off with my smartphone. Now, I would never have a need to do that. Right. Like I don't I, there's no need for me to be at Walmart and think, oh, I need to turn my tree on or off. Right. But I can do it. And as a man, you all know that you don't have to have a reason. Right. It's just awesome that I can do it. It's just, it's the exact reason why I want a Jeep Rubicon, right? That's my dream. I want to have a Jeep Rubicon. The chances of me taking that into the mountains and climbing up a mountain with my Jeep Rubicon are very slim, but I want to know that I can if I wanted to, <laughs> right? So we, we, in our culture, we're plagued with this thing where we want all the stuff, but we don't want to be inconvenienced, we, we want it to, we want it, all of the stuff with as little inconvenience as possible, right? But how many of you know that serving the Lord comes with inconvenience sometimes? If somebody told you that there would be no sacrifice, they lied to you. They lied to you. There is sacrifice in saying yes to what Jesus has asked of you. There is sacrifice for truly living for the king. If you don't believe me, look in the Bible. Let's take a look at Joseph for a second. Joseph, who had uh, all the brothers, right? And he had a dream, two dreams actually, that the Lord told him that he would be in the palace, that he would rule over his family. Instantly, after having the dream, sold into slavery and imprisoned, right? Look, let's look in the New Testament. We have Paul, for instance. Paul, who was given the greatest revelation the world has ever seen, was, has written most of the New Testament, was given all of the revelation, was used as a lamp in Nero's garden, Peter, who was promised to be the rock on which the church would be built, was crucified upside down. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was promised to be able to raise the Son of God. Yet she had to go through her life with people believing that she was a harlot and an adulterer. There will absolutely be sacrifices. Look at David. David was promised the throne, right? 
Samuel the prophet came to David and anointed his head and said, you will be the next king of Israel. And he had to spend a large part of his life running for his life, hiding in caves from Saul, the king at that time. And he had to run for, for his life for years before he ever sat on the throne. If somebody told you that obeying the Lord was going to be easy and, 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 and convenient, then they lied to you. This thing will require sacrifice. If we are to say yes to the Father, there will be sacrifices that have to be made. Do you see that? Hebrews 12.1 tells us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that will all tell us that there will have to be sacrifices that need to be made. Right? The great cloud of witnesses are the martyrs who died for their faith before us. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that will tell us that there are sacrifices to be made. When we say yes, it may come with great sacrifice, but it will also come with a reward that makes the sacrifice not seem like a sacrifice at all. Let me say that again. When we say yes, it may come with a great sacrifice, but it will also come with a reward that makes the sacrifice not a sacrifice at all. Tell Joseph that it wasn't worth being imprisoned as he is standing in the palace. Tell David that the years running for his life were not worth it when Yahweh God came to him and said that the Messiah is going to come from your line. Tell Peter that the price of his life was too high as he hears Jesus forgive him for his denial and then turn around and declare his love for him. Tell Mary that it costs too much as she is holding the king of kings in her arms. There may be great sacrifices but I promise you that the yes to the inconveniences, the yes to the sacrifices, the yes to Jesus' command will be worth it every single time. Can I hear some amens out there for that? Luke 2 goes on and starts telling us about the day Jesus is born. It says that during the reign of the emperor Caesar Augustus, that he called for a census, right? And Mary and Joseph, before she has the baby, she, they, they, they get on a camel or donkey or whatever they rode and begin riding to the city of Bethlehem. They get to the city of Bethlehem and they're, they're looking for a place to stay. He would have had relatives there in Bethlehem in that time because that's where his family was from. That's where Joseph's family was from. But their rooms, their houses were so full that there was no place for them to stay. And so many of us think that, that they would have stayed in more like a hotel or a stable or something like that. What it really probably was, was one of his relatives' house underneath their main living space, they would have a room that was a general purpose type of room. That, that during the day they would use it to prepare meals and things like that. But during the evening they would bring all of their animals in to this room. And that's where their animals would stay through the cold nights to protect them. And in this room there would be this feeding trowel, the stable. 
And so this is the room that Mary and Joseph had to stay in because there was no other place for them to stay. So they get into this, into this room and they set up and, and all of a sudden Mary begins feeling the pains of labor. They go through the night and Mary births Jesus. She, she gives birth to the Son of God, the Savior of the world. As they're holding this newborn baby, off in the distance in a field not too far away, more than likely it was the same field that David would have been raising and shepherding his sheep. These other shepherds were in their field. As they were standing in the field watching over the sheep, all of a sudden it says this host of angels fills the sky and declares to them and begins telling them that there's a Savior that is born and his name is Christ the Lord, that he is Emmanuel, God with us, and he is going to save the entire world, that he is the Messiah that was promised from generations past. And so the shepherds see this host of angels, they hear this amazing report, and when the host of angels disappears, they all look at each other and they go and look for this Savior that was born in Bethlehem. They run through the town, they, they stumble across this woman and, the, and her husband, Joseph, this Mary and Joseph, sitting in this stable, surrounded by all these animals, with Mary holding this baby in her arms. And they look at that baby, and without hesitation, without confusion, they look at him and they say, this is the promised child. This is Jesus, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. And there's this breathtaking moment where they get to see the Messiah. And then they see the Messiah, they turn around, they leave. And it says that they went throughout the entire city proclaiming what they had just saw, telling everyone who they ran into that the Messiah was born. And here's the most fascinating part of this story to me, that while the shepherds saw Jesus and left, Mary got to stay behind and hold baby Jesus. That though the shepherds got to see, and they were the first ones to hear that the Savior was born, they got to experience that moment, but then they had to turn around and leave. But Mary got to stay behind and hold Jesus. Mary got to stay behind and hold Jesus. It says in Luke chapter 2 verse 19 it says that Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Later on it says that the magi came, the wise men came and they gave them priceless gifts. They saw baby Jesus and then they turned around and went back to their home country. But Mary got to stay with him and kiss his cheeks. When Jesus was 12, the rulers of the synagogue were left standing in awe of his wisdom as Mary and Joseph placed him on their donkey and journeyed back home with him. When Jesus was an adult, he went to a wedding and performed his first public miracle where he turned the water into wine. And the guests of the party were amazed as they saw this miracle and the power that was in Jesus and Mary got to laugh with him as they discussed the reaction of the people while they were reclining in their living room back at home. What would have happened 
if Mary had said no? What would have happened if Mary had said no, if Gabriel had come and said, hey, God wants to do this incredible thing through you. He wants you to be the mother of the son of God. What would have happened if Mary looked at him and said, that sounds awesome, Gabe, but it's a big sacrifice. I'm, I'm giving up a lot here to do this. I, I'm just not sure that I can make it happen. What would have happened if Mary said no? What probably would have happened was she would have went ahead and married Joseph. They would have had their own kids. They would have lived probably a fairly happy, quiet, easygoing life. They would have had the respect of the community. And for the most part, their life would have been probably pretty ordinary and good, right? And somebody else would have been the mother of Jesus. God would have still accomplished everything that he set out to accomplish. He would have still, Jesus still would have come. He still would have died on the cross. All of that still would have been accomplished. But Mary would have missed all of that. She may have lived a comfortable life, may, would have, may have got to live a comfortable life, but she would have missed all of that. She would have missed watching the Son of God become a man. Listen, there is literally no one in history that knows Jesus better than Mary, other than obviously God the Father. I was thinking this week, if I could meet anybody in the Bible, how many of you have ever asked yourself that question? If you could meet anybody in the Bible, who would it be? Obviously, Paul would be awesome to meet, you know, to ask him all kinds of theological questions and get to some understanding. Peter or any of the disciples would have been incredible to me because they got to see all of these incredible miracles that Jesus performed and they got to follow him throughout his entire ministry. Moses would have been awesome to meet. All of these people, there's so many people in the Bible that would have been incredible to me. But me personally, if I could pick one person from the Bible to meet right now and talk to, it would be Mary, the mother of Jesus. Because nobody, literally nobody in the Bible would have known Jesus better than Mary. That she was there through every first, through the Jesus' first steps, through Jesus' first words. She was there uh, when she got to teach Jesus uh, how to talk and how to speak and, and what words to say and what manners to have. She was there when Joseph uh, took Jesus on as an apprentice and taught him how to do carpentry. She was there as Jesus was praying in his room by himself, speaking to his father. She got to listen in on all of those conversations. Literally nobody in the history of the world got to know Jesus as intimately as Mary did. And she would, could have missed it all if she said, no, the sacrifice is too much. The sacrifice is too high. I wanna ask you this morning, I've been preaching all the way to get to this point this morning. What is Jesus asking of you? What is the Father asking of you? And there may be sacrifices. There may be things that you have to give up, things that you have to live without, things that maybe other people 
may not understand. I know when, when uh, uh, if you ask, talk to Holly and Cameron, when they uh, first moved to Alabama, there was people that didn't understand that move. Why would he give up his job that he's had for so many years and move to a different state? And then they got established there and were there for four years and they heard the Lord to come home. And he had an incredible job there in Alabama. They had lots of close, good friends, all of those things. Cameron, why would you leave all of that to come home to be a part-time youth pastor with 10 kids and no for sure other job? Why would you do that? There was people that did not understand that. I know in our life, when we did that same thing, there was people who did not understand that did not understand the call. There were sacrifices and there were people that questioned every move and every motive. But was the yes worth it? What is God asking you to do that there may be sacrifices? There may be people that are questioning your decision. There may be people that may never understand. People that you love and respect that look at you and tell you this is ridiculous. You should never be doing this. What is God asking you to do that requires sacrifice? And here's the deal. You have a choice with that question. You have a choice that you could absolutely go on saying no to whatever that is. And just like Mary, chances are you would still live a quiet, good, wholesome life with lots of good things happening. And the Lord, you know, still loves you. The Lord still uh, welcomes you into his arms. And, and when you die, you're still going to go to heaven. You can't say no. Or you could say yes. You could say yes to the inconvenience. You can say yes to the questions. You can say yes to the sacrifices. You can say yes to whatever the Father has for you. And though it may seem inconvenient at the moment, I promise you, I promise you that the glory, that the, the reward for that yes will far outweigh any of the sacrifices, any of the inconvenience. Again, just ask Joseph, just ask David, ask Paul, Peter, ask Mary, the mother of Jesus, as she gets to raise the son of God. What is God asking you to do? You know, it says in Luke chapter 14, 28, it says that a builder never starts a project without first weighing the cost. Don't take, don't take what God asks you to do lightly. Weigh the cost. Know that there's going to be cost. Know that there's going to be inconvenience. Know that there's going to be sacrifices. But let me ask you, what would happen if you just said yes? What destiny is waiting to be fulfilled in you just beyond that yes? What intimacy with the Father can you experience if you say yes, what legacy will you be able to leave your kids because of the yes? What lives could be changed because of your yes? What lives could be changed because of your yes? You know, as you look through history, 
the ones who change the world, the ones who make a difference, are ones who say yes to sacrifice, who say yes to people questioning them, who say yes to inconvenience. And I don't know about you, but I want to make an impact on this world. And so my answer is yes to whatever he has. And I promise you as a church, as a body together, our answer is going to be yes every single time. Whatever the inconvenience, whatever the sacrifice, we say yes to it. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I want to just take a moment and pray over you. But before we do that, I want there to be a little bit of a response here. I want whatever, if maybe some of you have, have already got that, that question, that, that, um, that thing from the Lord that he wants you to do, that he wants you to, to say yes to, and maybe you've been hesitant up until now to say yes to it. And maybe there's some of you in this room that, that he, uh, he, you don't know exactly what that might be for you. You're, you're maybe even thinking through your mind right now, like, I don't, I don't really know uh, what, what it is the Lord's asking me to do. I, I just don't know at this moment. But I, I wanna encourage you, if you're in that phase right now, that before he ever asks you, and listen, he's gonna ask you, especially if you're willing and, and he knows that you're, you're willing to serve him. He's gonna ask you, I want before he ever asks you, for you to determine in yourself that you're gonna say yes to it. So whatever ballpark you're in, whether you already know what the Lord's asking you to do or whether you're someone who doesn't know quite yet, I want you, I wanna take this moment right now and I wanna just look up into heaven and I wanna declare that whatever it is that you have for us, Father, we say yes to it. Whatever it is that you're asking us to do, we say yes to it. Even if it's inconvenient, even if it requires sacrifice, Jesus, we say yes to it. So right now, I want you to respond. If that's you, I want you to respond. Just go ahead and lift your hands right where you're at right now. It could be anything. It could be a, a, a job change. It could be maybe even something as simple as speaking to a person about Christ. It could be maybe giving up an addiction. It could be, uh, it could be anything. Whatever it is, God, we just declare with a resounding yes. We respond with a resounding yes. That, Father, that you have proven yourself to us over and over again, your faithfulness. You have proven your faithfulness to us over and over again, God, and we can trust you. Lord, and just as Gabriel looked at Mary and told her all of these things, but, but then he looked at her and said, but do not fear, Mary. Do not fear. Right now, I declare over all of these people here this morning that are saying yes, that there is no reason to fear the consequences of our yes, because the Lord is with you, and he is faithful to protect you and to see it through. That if he asks you to take a step somewhere, he is with you every step that you take. That even, even while Peter was hanging on the cross, Jesus was there with him. That even while Joseph was in the prison cell because of his yes, 
the father was in the prison cell with him. That though Mary, though Mary was having to deal with with people murmuring behind her back, calling her a harlot, calling her an adulterer, while she was dealing with all the thoughts of Joseph possibly leaving her and abandoning her, that you never left her and you never forsook her. And that through all of it, your peace was with her in every step of that process. Jesus, that just as you were with them, you are as much with us as you are with them. That you never leave us. Lord, if you ask us to do it, God, you never leave us in the middle of it. God, I thank you that in this room, The ones who are saying yes are going to leave a legacy behind to their kids and their grandkids of a heart that has been laid down and has served the king. God, I thank you that everyone who says yes in this room, God, is going to to experience what it's like to be a world changer. Is going to experience what it's like to see others coming to the kingdom. God, and that every name that comes to you, every name that is written in the book of life through their yes is accredited to them on their account. Jesus, so many times in scripture, when you ask somebody to do something, you always show them the end of their yes. Just like with Joseph, when you came to him, the first thing you told Joseph was that he would rule in the palace. God, when you came to David, the first thing that you told him was the end result, which would be him reigning in the palace and would be the king of kings, the Messiah coming through his bloodline. God, when you told, came to Mary, you showed her that she would raise the Messiah, the son of God. God, I pray right now in this moment, as we're saying yes to what you have for us, Lord, you would show us the end result of our yes. God, that right now, God, everybody who's saying yes would be able to see the end result of their yes, Jesus. God, in that that vision of what our yes will accomplish will be fuel for us to step through the valley will be fuel for us to step over all of the sacrifices and continually, every single day, say yes to you. And Father, as a church right now, as a family of believers, Lord, that comes together, Lord, yes, to fellowship on Sunday mornings, but we're so much more than that, God. You intended the church to be the ecclesia, the governing body in the world. God, we're not only to have an impact in this room, but we're having an impact to our communities and world around us. So Jesus, whatever that looks like, God, we say yes to it. God, I know at the beginning of this year, God, that you had, uh, you had called us to be repairs of cities and restores of communities. God, right now I can see what that looks like. I can vision what that looks like. I can see the city of Elwood wholly given over to you, Jesus. 
that poverty doesn't exist anymore in that city, that racism doesn't exist anymore in that city, that, that drug addicts doesn't exist anymore in that city, that, that drugs are no longer a problem. God, I can see that city being completely repaired and completely restored. God, we say yes to whatever sacrifices it takes to get there. We say yes to whatever, uh, whatever inconvenience it takes to get there, Jesus. God, we say yes to you, Father, as a body of believers, whatever it takes.